0: Well, we are in our final week uh, today in our series titled Mission, and it's, we're, we, we kind of skipped last week and did something focused on Advents, and we're back into it uh, today for one final um, Sunday. Many of our small groups are continuing on in discussions around these topics, and so for, for the last several weeks, we've been in this conversation together about what it looks like to work and live for the purposes of God. What does it look like in our everyday lives? And we're having these conversations both in here and in our life groups to to be talking about what it means to be more than just church members, not just about attending on a Sunday, but actually being missionaries where we live, where we work, where we play, uh, where we are together with others. So what does it look like to to join in with the mission of God in our context? What does it look like to to bring about God's mission of of reconciliation and restoration to all things? And so I hope these have been fruitful conversations for you as as we've been stretching and and thinking and shifting about what it looks like to, to live in this way. When we live for the purposes of God, we're, we're looking at living lives that are, are set apart, living rightly toward God. We're looking at, at being a part of, of a larger story sh- that shows us God's promises and God's purposes. We're, we're looking at what it means to be a part of God's new creation and how our lives are changed by that, about what the future hope is and, and what motivates us for mission because of that hope. What it looks like to proclaim the good news to the world around us. What it looks like to care for the broken and the suffering and the marginalized. And so with all of this, we, we look at what it means to, to have a mission-shaped life in our context. And, and context in, in our small group conversations has been a, a difficult word for us to wrap our mind around. But context is just simply where we're at. Our neighborhood. Our grocery store. Our homes, our workplaces, these are the contexts in which we live and in which we are ambassadors for Christ. And so what does it look like to live in service for the kingdom? If this is the kingdom of God and we're called to be ambassadors in it, what does it look like? We, we ask ourselves the question, if blank were under God's reign, what would it look like? Blank being our context. If my home were under God's reign, what would it look like? If my church was under God's reign, what would it look like? If my neighborhood was under the reign of God, what would my neighborhood look like? If my apartment complex, if my workplace... If my social interactions, if my online presence, if my social media, if all of those things were under the reign of God, if blank were under the reign of God, what would it look like? That's where a couple weeks ago we were talking about the beauty and the broken, right? The beautiful and the broken, and seeing the beauty in things of where God is moving and God is reigning. The kingdom of God is this major theme that, that goes throughout Scripture, especially in the teachings of Jesus, and the stories of Jesus. Before Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew gives us this summary of Jesus's ministry. He says, "...Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Good news about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases." those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds gathered. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And then he's demonstrating the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom, or the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, all interchangeable terms throughout the gospel are phrases that are describing not a place, not a destination, not a physical location. The kingdom of God is a happening. It's a movement. It's God's presence. And so the phrase kingdom of God refers to the the reign of God, to the the rule of God, the, the moment when authority of God is on display. It's God's rule, God's reign, God's presence, God's coming to to deliver us and reign over us, the reign of God. Is that not a powerful image? That God comes to establish his kingdom, and he is Lord over it all, not just the religious part of it that happens on Sunday morning not just my inner personal devotional life or spiritual life but Jesus comes and declares that the reign of God the rule of God is near and it's it's happening now and Jesus is calling us to join in to that to join in with and participate with the reign of God And so if we are living in the kingdom of God as ones who who confess that Jesus is is Lord, if we are living in that, then it means that we are are, are trying to to love what he loves, that we're trying to do what he does to to work how he works, that we're becoming like him. And so this idea of the kingdom shows up 43 times just in the gospel of Matthew. And shows up through all the gospels. Jesus' mission was the good news of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is, is something that is, is present That we're not talking about something that happens after we die. We're not talking about something that is in the future. Jesus came to establish God's kingdom here on earth. And it's not perfect. And it's not complete until the second coming of Jesus. But we're participating in the reign of God right now. And so at this particular time, we are existing in the middle of this already but not yet kind of kingdom. That God is king in the presence, but not fully. Until all acknowledge and submit to his rule, there's a future fulfillment of the kingdom. Many people view Christianity as a retirement plan. That if we can just deposit enough good deeds into the retirement plan, then we'll have a good retirement after we die in heaven. And so it's this transactional thing, right? That I deposit through my life good things. And then maybe if I've deposited enough, I won't end up in the bad place, I'll end up in the good place. Or maybe we think of it more as fire insurance. We buy an insurance policy so that if there is a fire, everything is taken care of. And so, so we approach salvation, and we approach baptism, and we approach our, our Christian faith as fire insurance. That I don't want to go to the bad place, so I've got to make sure that I purchase the right insurance policy. But, but neither of those give us the correct view of what our faith is all about. They don't give us a correct view of the kingdom of God and what we're called to participate in and be a part of. of. Jesus is calling us to something much more exciting than that, right? Like, buying insurance is boring, right? It's like, I just got a text message from Patty. I've got to get our insurance stuff taken care of for this next year, and that is boring, and so I procrastinate, and I put it off because I don't want to go through all that paperwork, right? insurance is boring, but God calls us into something so much more exciting, right? To be called into the kingdom of God is not something as boring as insurance. Banking is boring. I had to go to the bank and and stand in line and deposit cash into the bank, right? And that's a boring process, And so coming here every Sunday just to make your deposit into the bank account, or coming here every Sunday just to buy your insurance, that's boring. Because we're called into something greater. We're called into participating in the reign and rule of God. And for us to see what God is doing, for us to be able to participate in what God is doing, we have to have an understanding of the the signs and the characteristics of His kingdom. What, what flag is raised to, to indicate that this is the kingdom of God? What are the things that are beautiful that we see that God is restoring? Because we are in an ugly world, and we're in a broken world, and we're in a place of suffering, and it's often difficult for us to see those good and beautiful things, to see where God is at work, to see where God is breaking in. Last week, we had this, this glimpse in Isaiah chapter 11 of, of the peaceable kingdom, and we see the, the, the stump of Jesse, and out of the stump of Jesse comes this branch, and this branch is Jesus. The Messiah comes, and it's the inauguration of the kingdom of God. Jesus was raised on the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. He would memorize the prophet Isaiah. He would quote the prophet Isaiah. He he quoted Isaiah whenever he talked about the coming reign of God. It gives us a picture of, of what it means for God's kingdom to be present. Jesus uses words and phrases from 14 chapters of Isaiah. There are 17 passages through Isaiah that proclaim the good news of deliverance by God most of which are passages that Jesus quotes from. And so Jesus' framework for talking about and context for talking about the kingdom of God, and it comes from an understanding of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus is proclaiming the reign of God that was prophesied in Isaiah. And so it gives us a picture of what he's talking about. And so if we were to sort through all 17 passages of Isaiah and read through all of those this morning, which we're not going to do and don't have time for, we would see seven common characteristics. The first, off, the first is God's presence as spirit or light. That shows up in nine of the passages. The second one is, is deliverance or this idea of salvation that occurs 17 in all 17 passages. The third is the idea of peace that we're talking about today in Advent, 14 times. Healing, joy, return from exile, righteousness and justice. These are the themes that that show up throughout these passages of Isaiah, talking about what the kingdom of God is like. And so when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven or talking about the kingdom of God, he's referring to the saving, delivering rule, the reign and the power of God on earth that changes people's lives. So let's look at each of these a little bit closer. We don't have time to go through in great detail. Let's go through each of these a little bit. God's presence is light and spirit. Isaiah chapter 60 announces the presence of God. In verse 1 it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Verse 19 says, The sun will, will, not, will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. And so there's this contrast between light and dark, the presence of God, darkness symbolizing God's absence, light symbolizing His presence. We hear this word glory, I've heard it defined as awe-inspiring, indescribable presence of God. The presence of God is seen through the light. And so all 17 passages include the experience of God's presence. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, when we're talking about the good news of the kingdom, we're talking about the reign of God who is active and who is present. And his presence is is glorious. Where do we see God's presence? The second theme is deliverance and salvation. In Isaiah chapter 43, we see the Lord as redeemer, as savior and, and deliverer, all basically terms that, that, say the same, that have the same meaning. And then later in that chapter, God promises to be present, delivering and redeeming and enabling people to return and, and to bring peace. And so Isaiah teaches us that that God is not one who stays distant. God is not one who is removed. That he brings about deliverance and redemption and salvation. And so we see this theme of of God's compassion for his people, a theme that, that continues on through Jesus. The compassion of God is revealed through Jesus. And so when we look at the good news of the kingdom of God, we're talking about the reign of God who, is com- who compassionately brings deliverance and salvation. The third theme is, is peace. Israel is this land bridge that is in constant conflict. And the history of conflict and exile was, was rooted in their memory as they awaited their Messiah. Last week we looked at Isaiah 11, where God points, or two weeks ago, no, last week, last week we looked at Isaiah 11 and the peaceable kingdom, the image of peace, where it says the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. There's this image of peace that occurs. That those that you would expect to be in conflict are in peace with one another. Chapter 42 and 53 of Isaiah predict that God will bring redemption through the suffering servant who will come through and with nonviolence. The Messiah will be one of peace. In the gospel, Jesus predicts that Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed and that they will not return. And, And if they did not return to the practice of justice and peacemaking, they would be judged. that there's this value that is placed in the kingdom of God on peacemaking and justice. And so as we look at the good news of the kingdom, we're talking about the reign of God who brings peace and is made up of people who are peacemakers. And then we have these themes of healing and joy and return all three of these join together and, and, and work together. God's deliverance brings healing. We see in the Gospels of Jesus the, we, we see in the Gospels Jesus healing as a fulfillment to Isaiah chapter thirty five. In Isaiah thirty five, we have: "Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped." Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy? There's healing. And where there is healing, there is joy because of that healing. And when there is healing, there is a return back into the community that one was removed from. The sick and the handicapped and And those that were ill were were social outcasts. And so when Jesus heals the sick, when he heals the handicapped, there is great joy because they are now being brought back into community. They are returning back to community. So when we look at the kingdom of God, we're talking about the reign of God who wants to heal and restore us to community. Which leads us to joy. Then we have the theme of justice in Isaiah forty-two. It's it's crucial for un, Isaiah forty-two is crucial for us to understand God's reign. This is Jesus' baptismal passage, declaring his message and his ministry. Forty-two, verse one: Here is my servant, whom I uphold; my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him So the words, in, the words justice and righteousness, these are words that, that are used in parallel. They're they Hebrew words that give the idea of decisions and practices that are, that are fair to the poor and the powerless. Justice and righteousness, being fair, making decisions on behalf of the poor and the powerless. It's the kind of, of justice that is, it is bringing fairness and deliverance to those who are oppressed, and it restores them into community. So, so, as we look at the good news of the kingdom of God, we're looking at the reign of God that wants justice for the poor, justice for the powerless. So, these are the themes that we, we see through here God's presence as light, God is present in the kingdom. Deliverance and salvation, God is working for our deliverance and working for the deliverance and salvation of all, it is a kingdom of peace and peacemakers, it brings healing and joy and, and a return into community, it's a place of justice. All seven of these themes come together in Isaiah chapter 9, a passage that we read every year for Christmas. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Deliverance, right? Every warrior's boot is used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us... A son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus declares the kingdom. And not only is he declaring that the kingdom is near, he is demonstrating it through his life, through his ministry, through his resurrection. We see him demonstrating the realities of the kingdom. There's a life to be lived here. God's kingdom is here. It it isn't complete yet, but it is is here, and we're called to join in the reign of God. We're called to participate in this kingdom. And so we see throughout the Gospels that the kingdom is this, this place that is completely flipped upside down of what we would expect an earthly kingdom to be. It isn't about domination that you would expect from a worldly kingdom. It's about a posture of mutual servanthood. And So Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the currency of the kingdom of God of God servanthood the power is not based on status power is not based on hierarchy power is not based on political party or wealth it's based on servanthood as demonstrated by Jesus and so how do we become servants in the kingdom of God What does it look like for blank to demonstrate the kingdom of God, the rule of God? If blank were under God's reign, what would it look like? Our marriages, our relationships, our families, our homes, our neighborhoods, our church, the places that we find ourselves, what would it look like? to be under God's reign. Let's go ahead and be standing together. We're going to spend some time at uh, the tables of communion together. A chance for us to, to remember who Jesus is, to, to remember the, the ministry that he had, to remember his death, to remember his resurrection, and the kingdom that he brings in for us to participate in. And so we go to the table and we, we break a piece of bread as a reminder of Jesus' body given to us. We take this cup and, and drink as a reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so if, if you are new here or visiting, we have tables that are set up around the side of the room. You're welcome to, to go to those tables uh, go as a family, go as an individual, go as friends, go as a life group. You can take that together, be at the table together. It's also time for us to pray together. And so if you have a, a prayer need, uh, we'll have shepherds down front. We've got members of our, our prayer team around. We'd love to pray with you through this time. Let's, let's pray together. God, we thank you for your presence here now. We thank you for the kingdom that is is present in our lives here and, and around us. God, would you help us to, to see clearly where you're at work, see where you're calling us to participate in your work, to participate in what you're doing to to make all things new. It's in Jesus' name we pray.